Here's the thing about Christians. We like stories of people becoming Christians that were at one point horrible. You know, they were, I don't know, beating up little kids or doing a ton of drugs or in prison or whatever. And then, and then God got a hold of them and, and they recognized the forgiveness that they had in Jesus. And then their lives were totally turned around. But I want to tell you something different today. I am a pretty good guy. Like, everybody who knows me almost would tell you, even people who don't really like me, would tell you, Chad is a nice guy. He would help me with something. He would be there for me. He's likable. I enjoy seeing him when I run into him at Starbucks. I like being around him. And here's the, the honest uh, honest to God truth is this, that, that I live my life in a way that the better you know me, the more I hope anyway that you'll like me and you'll respect me. And, and I am proud uh, to say that that's probably true. The closer you are to me, the, the more that you probably go, yeah, Chad is genuinely a, a good guy. He's not fake. He, he is there for you. He'll help you. He's not perfect, but he, he's a pretty good guy. I think that just about every person, even the people who don't like me in this world, and there are people out there who don't like me, would tell you, Chad is a good person. I mean, maybe if they were trying not to be theologically inaccurate or whatever, and some of the Christians would say, well, I don't like that language. But really, I mean, if you're just being honest, people would say, Chad is a good person. And that is my sermon today. I'll see you guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But here's, here's the reality. This is, this is the truth. I am a sinner. And even though by the outside standard of good, whatever that might be, I probably fit, I am a person who does things every day. I say every day. I won't say every hour, but every single day that I don't like, that I regret, that I wish hadn't happened, that I would like to take back, that I know somewhere intrinsically was wrong. I did something I shouldn't have done. And here's the thing about Christianity. We, we teach, our Bible tells us, that, that all people are sinners. And a lot of people want to pretend that they're not. They want to say, well, I'm a good person. Well, sure, you're a good person by whatever standard we're making good person. But the reality is, if you're being honest with yourself, I think, is that you know that you have done things wrong. And you may even say, I don't believe in a standard of right and wrong. But you still know, despite having no standard of right and wrong, that you've done something wrong, that you have regrets, that there are things that you wish you could have back, that you wish you could do it again. Now, if you go, no, that's not true, I'd like to point you to a couple of things. First is a quote by C.S. Lewis, and he said this, when a man is getting better, he understands more and more clearly the evil that is still left in him. When a man is getting worse and worse, he understands his own badness less and less. A moderately bad man knows he is not very good. A thoroughly bad man thinks he is all right. Now, here's the thing. What C.S. Lewis is saying, he's smarter than you probably. I don't know how many books you've written, but he's probably smarter. He's saying the more good you get, the more you realize how bad you are. And the worse you get, the better you think you are. And so if you're like so far like, okay, well, 
sorry, guy, I'm not actually a sinner. I've, I don't do things I regret. Well, here's bad news. According to C.S. Lewis, one of the brightest men who, who lived in the last century, that means you're kind of getting worse. Now, here's a great example of that. And I think this is, this is uh, it was a stunning moment. Uh, my in-laws watched this kind of documentary I think I may have told this before in a sermon, but kind of a documentary slash drama. It was like a dramatized documentary, like a mockumentary that's not funny, though. I don't know if that's a thing, but, uh, but like a, a, you've seen a mockumentary, you know, like The Office is a mockumentary, but not funny. On the Green River Killer, uh, a killer that kind of went up and down I-5 uh, and a serial killer. He actually buried uh, a couple of women here in Oregon but mostly in the state of Washington. And so as my in-laws were watching that, I picked up on it here and there because there's this, there's this thing with my in-laws, uh, and you know some of my in-laws, they, they like watch things over and over. So like if, it's, if they like a movie for that moment, then every time you go to their house, the same movie is on. And I, it's weird, like I've seen parts of Troy like 500 times, the movie Troy. It was on every day that I went there when Bryn and I were dating, I think. Like, hey, you're watching Troy again. That's weird, you know? Uh, but the Green River would be on every time I would go over for a certain period of time. And so I, I picked up bits and pieces and I feel like I know the story of the Green River Killer pretty well. The very end of this dramatized documentary, there's the, the scene that's, that's utterly profound. And I think it's real. I think it's a real thing that happened. And, and what happens is that the cop who's been chasing this guy for like decades. I mean, he like devoted his life to it. He was a Christian man who thought it was like his calling to, to get this guy and track him down so that families of people whose daughters and siblings and uh, all that had, had, had died could, could know and, and have some justice. And so he like devoted his life to this. And he gets, he gets to the end and, and he, he finally catches the guy and he's interviewing him and just trying to learn about him and going through all the, it's not really an interrogation because the guy has already admitted it, but he's interviewing him and, and he gets to the very interview and he's about to walk out and he turns around and he looks at the Green River Killer and he says, on a scale of one to five, how bad do you think you are? And the Green River Killer pauses thinks about it for a second. This guy's killed lots of women and he looks up at the guy and says a three. And the cop kind of giggles a little bit and the Green River Killer says, what's funny? And he says back to him, I was just thinking the same number for myself. And you see that this cop who's a Christian man, pretty moral guy, hunting somebody down just because he wants to give justice to families because he cares. I mean, really, he devoted his life to it. And this serial killer saw themselves as the same badness level. And the reality, I think, is that we as Christians, we are willing to say, yeah, I'm a sinner because we have come to terms with, with what the Bible says and kind of our badness. But oftentimes, people who aren't Christians, they don't want to draw a standard and they kind of drift further and further from God. And so it's harder and harder for them to see that they're bad, that there are things in them, even if they're a good person, a great person, a nice person, a moral person, somebody that prays, whatever it might be, there's still these actions that they do that are inherently wrong. 
C.S. Lewis also uh, gives this analogy. He says about going into a bus and somebody takes your seat and pushes you out of the way or whatever. Uh, you, nobody ever goes, hey, I don't believe in right and wrong. That was fine for you to knock me down and push me out of the way and take my seat. You always go, wait, that was wrong. You did something wrong. And in those moments where we look at somebody else and go, that wasn't right, you hurt me, you were mean to me, that was mean, that was a jerk thing to do, you've done something that wasn't right, we admit, we know that there is something called sin. And if we really stop to think, and as we move towards trying to be moral, trying to do better, we realize just how far away we are from being perfect. Because we are sinners. And Paul, in this passage of scripture that we're going to look at today, is going to say, here's the deal. If there's no resurrection, then that sin stuff, those bad things that you do, those things that you regret, those things that you've never dealt with, that you don't know how to deal with, that you feel guilty about, they're a really big problem. They're a really big problem. Here's what he says. Writing to a church in in Corinth, a city, and he's writing this section of this letter, 1 Corinthians in your Bible, chapter 15. He's writing this section because these people want to take certain parts of Christianity, as we talked about last week, but not other parts. And the part that they don't really want to take is that people can rise again from the dead. And here's what Paul says in the passage we're going to look at today, starting in verse 12. But if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. What has been preached is the gospel, the story of Christianity, the story of Jesus. And it's simply this, that Jesus died according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again. This is our broken tomb, if you haven't figured that out by me pointing at it when I talk about resurrection. Jesus died on a cross, was buried for our sins, and then he rose again. He got out of the grave. This is what Christianity stands on. It's what Christianity is built on. It's what the guys in the Bible who wrote most of the things that you believe Uh, to be true as far as morality goes. It's what they said their faith, the foundation of our religion was built on, that Jesus died according to the scriptures and he got out of the grave so that we might be saved. And this church, these people, are simply saying, wait a minute. We believe, according to our culture, because the culture at the time believed this, that people don't actually come back to life. That people, once they're dead, are dead. That they won't ever rise again. And this is contrary to Christian teaching because as Christians we believe that people die and that they will be raised again at the resurrection when Jesus returns, O glorious day, as we sang earlier. And these people are saying, well, we don't believe this. And Paul here says, look, time out. You gotta call time out here. If it's impossible, impossible, for the dead to be brought back to life, then that means, logically, this is about as philosophical as I get, but philosophically it means that it's impossible that Jesus rose again from the dead. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, follow Paul's thinking, then Christianity is not true And here's the deal, they're preaching, Paul's preaching, all of the disciples preaching, the things that we've read in the Bible is all useless, it's all worthless, it has no value whatsoever. 
And, and this is so key, this is so big, your faith, Paul says, is useless. Useless. Now, there's a lot of people, even a lot of Christians, who say, like, our faith in something is valuable even if that thing that we place our faith in is not true. A lot of people who say that. I mean, you see people outside of Christianity, and they'll say it like this, like, wow, your faith is really good for you because, you know, it makes you feel good or it gives you hope or, you know, it gives you a community to be a part of or whatever it might be. And, and there are Christians, I think, if you really just stopped and you thought and you, you really kind of thought, what do I think? You would say... Sure, even if it's all not true, I'm glad that I've come to this Christianity thing. Here's what I need you to know, and Paul will say this next week really more specifically, but Paul wants you to get right to it here. If you're doing the Christian faith right, then it should be something that has no value to you apart from being true. I'm going to make that point very clear next week because if you're living out the Christian faith correctly, then it should really ruin in some ways this life, but it gives you hope for the future life. I had a, I had a professor that used to say this, and it was always kind of corny and goofy, but, but we'll say it again here because this is what Paul is getting at. Uh, he would always say, like, when you're drowning, faith in pink elephants won't save you. And his point was like, A, there's no such thing as pink elephants. And B, like, like it doesn't matter if there is because they're not going to save you when you're drowning. I mean, it's where we play. you should place your faith in a lifesaver or, you know, another person with an oar or something if you're drowning. And that's what Paul is saying about the Christian faith. Like, look, time out. You people, you kind of want to take like the good stuff that you read about in the Bible that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote down and Peter and Paul and, and you want to kind of take some of that good stuff. But if you're doing the Christian faith right and, and you're really paying attention logically, these are the same people who have said, get out of the grave and that's what your faith is in. And if Jesus didn't rise, then all of it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You should leave, this is reality, you should leave Christianity behind if Jesus did not get out of the grave. It's a pointless endeavor if you are living out your faith correctly. And then he says this, more than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. This is exactly what we talked about last week. We don't believe in the resurrection because the Bible says so. We believe in the resurrection because a bunch of men who witnessed the resurrection declared it to be true and they wrote it down for us. And even more than that, perhaps, they gave their lives to the belief that Jesus rose again. And when I say gave their lives, I don't mean like they devoted themselves to it. I mean most of them actually died because they said and believed that the resurrection was true. And Paul says, hey, let me, if I didn't make this clear enough in the first 11 verses when I was talking about what the gospel is, the good news of Jesus, let me, let me just one more time make it clear to you. If Jesus didn't raise, everybody who wrote in the Bible is a liar. It's a lie. They're liars. 
And you shouldn't believe, as I said last week, I'll say it again for those of you who aren't here, that people inherently have value, that women have equality with men, that people should have the right to choose their own religion, that science is true and that it's something that should be studied, that people have an ability to be forgiven for their sins, that God loves us. If Jesus didn't actually get out of the grave, so we said last week, then we cannot believe what the biblical writers wrote. And if we don't believe what the biblical writers wrote, then we don't believe most of what we hold to be good and true in our beliefs. We want to think God loves us, right? Don't we? But you can't believe that. You might have to go, maybe God is a mean, wretched person who sits in heaven waiting to send me to hell because he just wants vengeance for everything that I've done wrong. And his hope is not to have a relationship with me. His hope is to destroy me for eternity. You don't want to believe that. And you don't have to because the biblical writer said that we don't have to. But it all hangs on if Jesus got out of the grave. And so Paul repeats that and then he moves on. And this is huge. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. He's trying to make that clear. You with me? I mean, that he wants you to understand that, if nothing else. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Check it out. Why is your faith futile? You are still in your sins. Then also, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. This is an interesting statement to me. Because when I think about sin, what I think is Jesus died for my sins. Rarely, when I'm talking about why I'm forgiven for my sins, what Christianity is all about, do I talk about Jesus getting out of the grave. But here's what Paul is saying. If Jesus didn't rise, then then your faith is futile. Then being a Christian, because he's talking to Christians, is dumb. It's pointless. It's stupid. There's no reason for it. Because you are still stuck in your sin. There is no outlet for the regret that you have. There is no forgiveness for the things that you have done wrong. There is no hope for the stuff that you know is wrong, but you did it anyway. There is no way for us to get out of being a three on the scale of one to five in badness because we're just bad and we're stuck being bad and there's no hope for ever not being bad and someday we're going to be punished for our sins. Paul says, and this is really fascinating, if Jesus didn't get out of a grave, then you have no forgiveness for your sins. Now I think about this sometimes. I I just... I was around a lot of babies this week and I just want to use one more illustration to say we need to get out of our sin. We're kind of born like wretched sinners. I'll tell little babies that, like you're a wretched sinner that needs Jesus. I wish it was so easy to be bold with adults, but I will because they are, they are. And people don't like it when I say that because they're like, they're cute and I don't know what baby they're looking at because they all slobber and they're not that cute. But but like, but like you, you, you know it because like, here's the thing, like, I was around Ryder and Rogan. Uh, Ryder's not here today because he is sick. Uh, and Rogan, I think, is back in the, in the nursery. But, but they do this thing, and I just learned this on, on Tuesday night, that they'll do this thing where they 
will hit somebody or their moms, and then immediately, like as they're swinging, will go, sorry. What do they know that some people in our world philosophically aren't smart enough or, uh, or honest enough to admit? That they're doing something that they know is wrong, right? I mean, they know instantly that they're doing something that needs an apology, yet what do they do? They do it anyway. And that's exactly what we do. I mean, sometimes we're just like them. I mean, it's like, we'll just like, hey, God, no, it's wrong. Sorry. You know, and then we'll, I don't know what we do. We don't step on people, hopefully. But that's a big problem if you're still doing that as an adult. But, but we do these things that we know, without a doubt, are wrong. And sometimes we're like, sorry. And we pretend, don't we? Just kind of pretend. Well, it's just going to be okay. It's okay that I did this. For whatever reason. And a lot of times, a lot of times, it's because, and people do this. I know people, not Christians, don't take any of the other parts of Christianity seriously. <coughs> Excuse me. But they'll say, God will forgive me. God will forgive me. And Paul is saying, if Jesus didn't get out of the grave, then God won't forgive you because there is no forgiveness for your sins. Here's what Paul says in another letter that he wrote, Romans 4, 23 through 25. The words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification. Paul says this gospel story has two parts. Yes, Jesus died for your sins, but he also got out of the grave so that you could be justified. What does justification mean? It's a Greek word, as most of the New Testament is, and it means this. The action which establishes right. That is to say, a sentence in law. Therefore, also justification. The establishment of acquittal from guilt. You see that? Sure, Jesus died taking the punishment of your sins, but what, what allows for your acquittal, for you to be innocent of what you've done wrong, is that Jesus got out of the grave. That's a big deal. Because you're not innocent. You're not that innocent, according to Britney Spears. You're just not that innocent. And you know it. You're a sinner. You've done things wrong. There are things that make you feel guilty. If you're being totally honest, there are things that you do every day where you're swinging and saying sorry, but you're not sure who you're saying sorry to maybe. You're just kind of saying it, hoping that something is going to cleanse you and forgive you and remove that sin. And, and, and I know that for most people, there's something in the past that you maybe don't talk about, that you don't share with others. Maybe nobody else knows, but you know. Maybe it's just a thought that you knew was so evil that you could never share it. Maybe it's something that you did to your kids or, or that you did to your parents, or maybe it's something that you got away with that, the, that you know the government would be very upset, but you got away with it. I don't know what it is, but we all have these things that we wish we could be made innocent from. And Paul says, this is the thing that you need to understand. The only way you can be innocent is if Jesus got out of the grave. Philip Schaff, an author, said, without the resurrection, his death would be the grave of our hopes. We should be still unredeemed and under the power of our sins. A gospel of a dead Savior would be a contradiction 
and a wretched delusion. We all long for forgiveness, but we can only have it because Jesus rose. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now here's, let me just back up and notice a couple things that Paul is putting together here. First of all, he says, hey, you don't believe that people rise again from the dead. But if you want to take any of Christianity true, then you need to wrestle with a question. And the question is, it's the same question that these people were wrestling with. It's this question. Is there something that takes place after this life? Because the people are saying no. And Paul says, well, if you say no, then none of Christianity is true. But if you say, if you say, sure, I'll believe those guys who wrote the Bible, there's great evidence for that, I'll believe them. And Jesus rose again, then, then, and I think Paul wants you to get to to think about this and understand this, then you have to say, okay, then something takes place after this life. You see, a lot of people don't have to think about sin or talk about sin, and they can pretend that the sins didn't happen because they believe, well, when I die, it'll just be over. And that's okay as long as you want to say, well, I'm not sure women have the same worth as men or if God is a loving God or if people should have rights or you know, if slavery is good and all those things. You can question all that. That's fine with me. But if you want to hold all that, then you should probably hold that Jesus got out of the grave. And if you hold that Jesus got out of the grave, you must hold that it's possible for people to have life after death. And if you have life after death, then, then you have a problem with sin because it means something for eternity. If we have to look into the face of God, if we have to ask God, uh, if we have to look at God and say, God, I did this and I did that, and and what are you going to do with me? You see, Paul is saying, hey, time out. Jesus rose, what I've always taught. It's the only reason these people are reading this letter because Paul had talked about Jesus rising again. And and he's saying to these people, hey, hey, you got to pay attention to this. If Jesus rose, then people rise. You need to think about what happens after life. And by the way, if you didn't rise, you're stuck in your sin and it's a big problem. And then he says this other thing. He says, if it's all true that people don't rise and you're still in your sin, then there's this other problem. People who die are dead. I mean, people who die are gone. You ever been to a funeral? And you take hope, you take hope from the things that the, that the pastor or the minister is teaching. And it all sounds nice, you know? It, you like the things that are coming out of his mouth. And Paul says like, eh, hate to tell you this, these nice words that come from guys who wrote the Bible, if Jesus didn't rise, then there's actually no hope for what happens after this life. Your loved one is dead. You won't see him again. They're gone. Give up the hope. Spend the rest of your life in mourning because it's over. I've only done one funeral for somebody that was, was not a Christian, at least probably not a Christian uh, as, as far as my knowledge goes. And it's funny to me because the family has uh, non-Christians. They're all, they're all not Jesus followers. And I gave the sermon and I used the Bible and I said, uh, as much as I could say while being honest, because I'm not a liar, uh, and I never once declared your loved ones in heaven or anything like that, because I don't believe that they are. Um, 
And it was incredible. There's this incredible phenomenon. These people who don't believe what I believe, who aren't Jesus followers, took some type of hope. My goal was just to lead them to Jesus so that they could find some real hope. But, but they took hope from my words without taking Jesus. And it's like, wait a minute. If you believe anything that I just said, anything at all, then you need to at least examine the fact that Jesus got out of the grave because everything I said was, was driven by, was built upon the fact that I believe Jesus got out of the grave, that he conquered death and in doing so, he allowed for people to be justified and, and allowed for them to have acquittal for their sins. And a lot of people are just as irrational as that. They want the hope. They want to go to a funeral and go, Oh, I'll see him again. People say that. Oh, we'll see him again someday. People say this all the time. They're in a better place. No, they're not. Not if Jesus didn't rise from the grave. They are in a worse place because they're buried and dead and gone. They're in a worse place. And that is what Paul is trying to say to this group of people. If, if people don't come back from, from the dead, then Jesus didn't come back from the dead and stop playing games saying, oh, they're in a better place. Oh, it's, it's a good ending. Oh, I'll see him again someday. Because they're not. It's not good. It's really bad. And everybody should just, their whole goal, your whole goal should be to stay alive as long as possible. Because the heaven that you have now is the best you will get. That's what Paul is saying. If Jesus didn't rise, then the grave is the end. Stop, stop, stop playing games. Don't tell non-Christians that their loved ones are in heaven. If you're a Christian, that's, I mean, I know you already believe that Jesus rose from the grave, but that's outrageous. That's a dirty lie. And you know what it does? And you know what this thinking, and I think the church has been a big part of it, you know what it does? Is it allows for people to not become Christians because I'll be in a better place someday. No, you won't. If Jesus didn't rise, then the best you can hope for is to be buried in a casket. The best that you can hope for. Paul wants you to understand. He wants to make it perfectly clear. And, and that's, what, that's what Romans is saying to us. For the wages of sin is death. We all deserve death. What, what our sin, those wrongdoings, those things that you wish you hadn't have done, those things that you regret, what, what they should be punished by is eternal death. And if Jesus didn't get out of the grave, that is how they will be punished. But, and I think this is what Paul wants you to know, if Jesus rose, then Christianity is true. And if Christianity is true, you can become a Christian. And if you become a Christian, then you have something much greater than this life to look forward to. You have an eternity without the pain and the suffering that you deal with, where you will need not put up rock, paper, or scissors to ask for prayer, where you will not feel hurt and pain and difficulty, where you won't have to struggle on a daily basis not to do wrong things, where life will be good forevermore, where you'll be able to do the fun things that you used to be able to do, but now you're too old, where you'll be able to, to have life without regret and not have to wonder, well, did I mess that up, but you'll just be able to live in perfect perfection forevermore 
And it won't be boring, as we'll see in a couple weeks. It's not like we're, I'm just bored sitting in the cloud in heaven. I mean, this is everything that you can dream of. It, it, it's going to be right there for you to take a hold of and grasp a hold of because Jesus rose and we will rise too if we give him our lives. You see, Paul wants to make it perfectly clear that if Jesus didn't rise, there is no hope for forgiveness. And if there is no hope for forgiveness, then there is no hope for eternity because the wages of sin is death. But if Jesus rose, if he got out of the grave, then we can be forgiven for our sins. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And all we have to do, according to the Bible, is believe that Jesus died for our sins, confess him as Lord and Savior. I'd like to point this out. If Christianity is true, you no longer need to feel guilt of the sin that you've done or you don't any longer need to fear the fear, feel the fear of death. Um, if you're a Christian, and I just want to just make this clear, a lot of us live as if Jesus didn't get out of the grave. I mean, we're just a lot of people. I'm not one of these people, so I won't say us. A lot of you live as though you're just stuck in your sin and you're guilty all the time and you just always, it's like, well, that one thing and it's like, I know I'm forgiven, but that one thing. Here's what Bible.org says and I, I just loved this. Forgiveness was costly, the cross, but because of the resurrection, there should not be lingering guilt for sin. If God slew his own son and kept him in the grave, every time we sinned, the guilt would be too much. We'd say it is because of sins like this that Jesus is no longer with us. But if Jesus rose from the grave, then your sin is conquered and you have been justified. You have been acquitted if you have become a Christian. You see, Jesus doesn't hang on a cross anymore. And we picture ourselves, and this is like a real thing that we picture ourselves. Mel Gibson put this in The Passion of the Christ, nailing Jesus to the cross over and over and over again. But Jesus is no longer on a cross because Jesus was buried. And then, and this is the great, the great news of the gospel, he got out of the grave. He is resurrected. He lives forevermore. And if we become Christians, we no longer have to feel the weight or the guilt of sin because Jesus is no longer on a cross. Jesus is no longer in a grave. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father because he was resurrected. You see, this is the great news of the gospel. Jesus died for your sins, but he rose again for your justification. And as Romans 10, 9, and we'll read this just about every week in this sermon series, says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved for eternity. You will be saved from your sin. And being saved is an incredible gift. A lot of us, and I'll just say this one more time, if, if, first of all, if you're not a Christian, you need to become a Christian. If Jesus rose, if Jesus got out of the grave, then Christianity is true. And at the very least, you should explore it. Now, if Jesus rose, here's the other part. This is for you who are Christians. Here's the thing. You're saved. If you've believed that Jesus rose and you've given your life to Jesus, you've said, look, I'll follow you. I'll take all of you. I'll do what you want me to do, no matter if I like it or not. Then you have been saved and you need to stop acting like a saved, unsaved person. I'll picture it like this. You're drowning again. I don't know why I got the drowning thing going today, but you're drowning. And you don't place your faith in pink elephants. Instead, you place your faith in the real Savior, Jesus. 
and you get on the boat. The book of 1 Peter actually describes Jesus as like a lifeboat that pulls us out of, uh, of drowning. Uh, and you're in the boat. Why flail around like you're stuck in an ocean of sin and death? That would make no sense, right? To be on deck going, ah, I need out of here. I need saved. That's not, and that's, what, that's kind of what Paul is saying. Jesus rose again. You're saved. Act like a saved person. Don't live in the regret of your sin forever and ever and ever, but realize that you have been forgiven and realize that you have hope for a future eternity, something we'll talk again more about next week. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that you died for our sins and that you rose again so that we might be justified. I pray, Lord, for every person in this room that is in their sin because they haven't given you themselves. I pray, God, that you would do a work in them right now and you would lead them into a relationship with you, a relationship, God, that will, that will give them the forgiveness that I know that they already want. That's the beautiful part of, of kind of the foundations of Christianity that we're talking about the next few weeks, Lord, is that nobody, nobody needs to be talked into wanting the things that you're offered, Lord. It's so cool to think about Christianity being true because it teaches these wonderful truths and as we talked about last week and it's so cool to think about forgiveness of sin because we all have guilt and struggle and, and things we wish we could do over but you Lord have saved us from that by dying according to the scriptures and rising again and I pray that every person here would know that wonderful gift and Lord I pray for, for the people who sit out in front of me that are Christians but they're just guilty all the time and Lord, there's many of them in our congregation. I pray, Lord, that they would realize you're no longer hanging on a cross. And God, I ask that, that when your kindness leads us to repentance, that we would repent and then we would move on from our sin. You know that I always want people to feel horrible guilt for the things that, that, that they're currently doing, the sin currently in their life. But Lord, I pray for the people in our congregation that once they've, they've moved past the sin, God, once they've repented, once they have, have received your forgiveness, that they would never regret or never feel guilty for the, the things that they've done in the past because they realized, Jesus, that, that you didn't just die, but you died and you got out of the grave and you're no longer hanging on a cross, but you're sitting on a throne. Remove guilt, God, remove guilt in our midst. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done in us. And we ask these things in your holy name.